Um, yesterday, you probably heard the province announced a new energy industry advisory panel. It's made up of five people with deep, deep ties to uh, oil and gas. Includes the you know, like the CEO of Sonovus Energy and Dave Yeager. And if you listen to this show, you know Dave's a regular guest. I like Dave. Dave was on with us yesterday. I enjoy his commentary. Um, but Dave has deep, deep ties to oil and gas as well, just like the rest of this panel. And, you know, he's the chair of the panel. It, it kind of smacks me in the same way as the Preston Manning being named the chair of the COVID inquiry. Both these guys have written extensively on their thoughts on these issues. I don't know if we needed to ask them to write a new report. We pretty much know what it's going to say. I mean, the writing's already been done, I think, in most cases. But nonetheless, it's an exercise that I'm I'm not sure what the point is. I guess, is it supposed to portray transparency or... I I don't know. But nonetheless, uh, I think we have a pretty good idea of the outcome of this report and what it's going to say. Now, these panels were handpicked by the Premier to tell her exactly what she wants to hear. But... Like I say, okay, um, there's other reports that have been done on the future of energy in Alberta, including uh, one done by Markham Hislop. Now, Markham, like Dave Yeager, is a regular guest on this show, also someone who's written about energy extensively for a very long time with a slightly different, well, I shouldn't say slightly, with a different take on where energy is going than Dave Yeager. So he's going to join us now and give us his thoughts on this exercise. Markham, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Good morning, Shay. So this report, I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious to most people who've been paying attention. The 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 end result, the conclusion of this report, we can pretty much uh, uh, anticipate what it's going to be, right? Well, I would say that if you take five people with, you know, as you say, deep roots and and lots of experience in the oil and gas industry, and there are no other experts on the paddle, there's no one uh, with expertise in hydrogen or the electricity system or the global energy transition or, you know, any of dozens and dozens of areas of energy that are relevant today, uh, and none of them are on the panel. It, it, yes, I, I would, a good guess is that, you know, as I said in my column, uh, yesterday, it's a good bet that the, the report is already sitting in, uh, Energy Minister Peter Guthrie's, uh, desk drawer. Now, I mean, listen, putting together a panel of industry insiders to analyze the future of the industry seems like a good idea in many ways. I've got no issue with that. But like you say, if you're going to call it an energy advisory panel, you can't just focus on oil and gas. I mean, if you want to call it the oil and gas advisory panel, and, and in some cases they actually do in the report, it switches between energy and oil and gas. Is that the issue here? We're sort of tunnel vision? To, to answer that question, Shane, let's back up a little bit. And uh, you and I, I, I don't know how long we've been talking about energy and the energy transition, probably three, four years. Probably something, years. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. And and in all that time, uh, we've always been talking about how the energy transition is accelerating. Well, of course, the COVID pandemic uh, gave it a shock and and accelerated it. And then, but the real uh, key is Russia's invasion of Ukraine because that created an, an energy crisis globally, and it focused uh, global governments on energy security. And one of and the, the way that say for for example Europe, uh, they passed the uh, the strategy uh, re. Uh, uh, repower EU, which is basically to say, okay, if you're going to cut off our oil and gas, then we're going to electrify quicker. We're going to we're mm-hmm. going to build out our renewables quicker. We're going to electrify our economy quicker. And other countries look, took a look at that and say, hey, you know what? If we if we go to domestic electricity production or domestic hydrogen production, we don't have to import oil and gas anymore. So in the last year, uh, Russia 
ironically, has really focused uh, a lot of countries away from oil and gas. And the amount of capital now flowing into uh, renewables and, and other sources of you know non-fossil fuel energy is, is amazing. It was $1.1 trillion globally last year. Now, but that's not all. The IEA, the International Energy Agency, put out a report last uh, uh, last month, and it said in there that all of that new focus on clean energy has also now kicked off a new industrial revolution because you have to build the wind turbines, right. you have to yeah. build the solar panels. So that's the new gold rush. And the pace at which all of that is happening is absolutely frantic. On a global level, China, look at the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, hundreds of billions of dollars now flowing in so that the Americans can become competitive with China and Europe. Europe has just brought in the same thing. So without that's incredibly uh, important context, the accelerating energy transition. And so uh, to look at a long term strategy for Alberta's energy future, it's a great idea if that's the if you're doing it correctly and, and you're uh, taking into account the trends that are actually going to affect Alberta energy, you know, in the next 10, 20, 30, 30 years. And this panel doesn't do that. Well, and, you know, you, you put together a similar report, taking a look at the future of the energy industry in Alberta. And um, I think, you know, a lot of our listeners are saying, yeah, this is Hislop. We know Hislop. He's anti-oil and gas. He's always talking about the energy transition. He's not about oil and gas. Jaeger is. I, I, a lot of our listeners like Jaeger. You know that. Um, uh, yeah, sure. And, uh are, is that what it is, is? Is it that simplistic? I mean, I, you you actually told me yesterday that your report is mo, more pro oil and gas than you think the one we're going to get from Jaeger is. Uh, just a point of clarification: this is actually the report for the Alberta Federation of Labor. Right. Uh, they yeah. they contracted with me as a freelancer to to lead the writing team, but it is it is their report, and uh, so I just wanted to make that clear. Not my report, but here's the point: the the report has seven missions, and the first mission is to, over the course of the next 30 years, transition Alberta oil and gas from producing feedstock for fuels, gasoline, diesel, aviation fuel, to feedstock for advanced materials, bitumen into carbon fiber, captured CO2 into materials and green cement, uh, natural gas into more into recyclable plastics. And the idea is that, I mean, the IEA, BP, all of reputable forecasters show that about uh, peak oil is going to arrive about 2030, and then we're going to see a decline. So as global markets decline, global demand declines, the idea is to then build up this new markets in Alberta, diversify the, the economy, and build new markets for oil and gas locally so that you create manufacturing plants, you continue to you to have the uh, uh, a similar amount of oil and gas employment, except that where the product is going is now being it's being processed in in Alberta and creating jobs and wealth in Alberta. And I would argue so if you take the traditional oil and gas narrative as markets demand production is going to go down, right? Sure. But if you take this approach, Oil and gas could continue to drive the Alberta economy well into the 22nd century. So I would argue that that our approach or the, that report's approach is more pro oil and gas than just letting the markets decide. So, what is the I mean, what is the point of this exercise? Like, who? What's the audience here, Markham? That's what I'm trying to understand. And I mentioned the Preston Manning report. It's the same thing. And I I think I know who the audience there is. Um, but in this case. 
who are we trying to, to, to make the case to? I, I mean, I, like, it seems to me like this, there's not really, this isn't a serious report. This is more about trying to prove a point, but I don't know to who. Well, this is my opinion, but someone who follows, you know, energy politics in Alberta and in Canada generally, uh, I argued in my column that this is political theater leading right. up to the election. In, I in think May. you're right. Yeah, because if you remember back to, to 2019, energy played probably, it was the, one of the key reasons why Jason Kenney and the UCP defeated Rachel Notley and the NDP. Kenney had the jobs, pipelines, economy narrative. He hammered that home every t- chance he got, and it was very effective. You know, Albertans mm-hmm. were worried at that time about their jobs, and, and Notley had no real response to it. And here again, we are. I think Danielle Smith has decided that a winning election strategy is is beating up on, you know, having fighting with with Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, and then tying Notley to Trudeau. And, and I guess Jagmeet uh, Singh, uh, the leader of the NDP, because of the uh, agreement between the Libs yes, and, yeah. the, and the Democrats. So and and then and then uh, just flogging that as hard as she can up until you know May 29th when the election comes up it worked in 2019 and i think it's we're going to see a 2023 variation on that campaign strategy from the UCP yeah i think you're probably right uh, mark as always thanks for joining us i appreciate your time Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.